Hey, this is Paul Martin and Ray the Roadie for the Rock and Roll Chicago podcast. What's up, Ray? I haven't talked to you in like a week. I know it's been quite some time. Uh, weather's changed. It's warm out. I got the pool open. Yeah, I know. I, I was in Florida. I was in Key West. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't want to hear any more about Key West. Nah, 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 nah. The southernmost point of the United States of America. Yes, uh, yes, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Did you buy a house? Uh, no, but I looked at some. Yeah, yeah. Is a sticker shock? Is a driving down the street? I looked at them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, they're not cheap down there. No, no, no. But you know what I noticed on there? Every house has a wall around it. Well, a wall or a fence, a wall, a f- yeah, like a wall or a fence, even even in the tightly packed neighborhoods, they have a wall or a fence or big hedges. And I figured it's to keep the hurricane, some of the winds down, maybe. Possibly, um, maybe also because they're not they don't own enough land to put in a moat. <laughs> maybe they don't like their neighbors. That's true. Yeah. Maybe it keeps the alligators out. Yeah. I like my well. I, I well. I like all my neighbors. I shouldn't say that. There's a couple of men love thy care, neighbor. A couple of men I care for. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, they're not subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they are, God bless them. Good for them. You know, I got a little sticker shock. You did. I opened up the pool. I was so happy. Nice and clean. It's ready to go. And had to go buy some chlorine because you know you can't run a pool without chlorine. No, of course so not. No, I went to the store. I went to my usual store that I go to. Went in there looking for my bucket of chlorine that I paid eighty dollars for. But now I had heard that there might be a chlorine shortage, and you know, so there may be a price increase. I'm like, okay. So I went and saw the chlorine, found the chlorine, and looked at the sign, and I thought it said one nineteen ninety nine, and I says, oh, forty bucks. I'm like, wow. Oh like, yeah, you know, at forty bucks, forty bucks. I need the chlorine. Got to go. So I brought it up there. Guy rang it up. I read the sign wrong. It was one ninety nine ninety nine. It went up one hundred and twenty dollars. Wow, that's quite an increase. Anybody? Yeah. So this year, I'm I'm sorry to say, like if you come over or anybody else comes over to swim, I'm I am charging a cover charge. Oh, okay, I right, good to so, know. Yeah, I go swim somewhere else. Yeah, I figured you would. <laughs> figured you would. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of not liking that neighbor. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Good well, thing I'll we're not you, neighbors. I tell you one guy I do like it. That's Greg Rapp. And that's who we're talking to today. Now, many of you may not know of Greg Rapp, but Greg Rapp is, is we've learned, is a go-to drummer. He's a go-to guy. Uh, and uh, and I met him. I met him years ago. Uh, probably good uh, 10, 15, 10, 12 years ago, at least. But Greg, Greg's a great guy. And uh, he's got some great stories about, uh, about his drumming days and, uh, and how he used to beat out of couch cushions. Yeah. It's the uh, first time I met Greg uh, was this interview. And uh, uh, he's a really great guy, man. He's got some great stories, uh, really interesting. Uh, some pretty funny. Yes. So let's uh, let's get to it and see what Greg has to say uh, just about uh, about beating down those couch cushions. And uh, and uh, let's see what else he has to say. So for your entertainment pleasure, we bring you Greg Rapp. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, we're speaking with uh, drummer extraordinaire (laughs) and my good buddy, Greg Rapp. How are you doing, Greg? Hey, Greg, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you guys for having me on. This is such a an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, very, very, no, it's our honor. It's our honor. Believe me. Oh. Um, so, uh, so, okay. Uh, just to start out, um, would it be fair to say we could should name the bands that you haven't played with before <laughs> than to name the bands you do play with? And to kind of eliminate some things. Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the way I kind of like to put it is like, I'm the guy they call when their guy gets sick. And okay. like that, that's how, uh, I mean, there's been some, a lot of situations like that, but I mean, I'm just very lucky that I played with the number of people that I have 
the best part of that is the relationships I've built through it. Sure. sure. But yeah, I mean, if we can go through the whole thing, <laughs> if you want, I mean, far be it for me. <laughs> I mean, we, we first met obviously at the Blue Chew Casino. I was running sound. You were you were, you were drumming with the Spaz or the I, Afros. I'm not sure which one. One or the other, something like that. Yeah, and uh, and of course, just became good buddies and, and had a, had a beer too. Uh, I think exactly. There. Um, but but where did where did it all start for you? Let's go back to the to the young to the young Greg Rap. Oh, and uh, and and how did you even get into doing playing music in first? Yeah, was, um, I was thinking about going a little bit further back please, you please. Know, in time. Was it cloth diapers or pampers? <laughs> um, no, not not that far back. Um, okay, <laughs> but but not well. You know, so I was probably oh god, uh, probably about twelve or thirteen years old. And it's funny, like I've never talked about this. I was sitting in my parents' nineteen seventy seven. Caprice Classic Station Wagon on the corner of Willow and Arlington Heights Road. Specific enough for you? Um, yeah, okay. Where I, where I heard something, I, I and it's so it's so weird that this goes this way. Like, I heard bat, bat, bat. I'm like, anybody can do this. I was like 12 years old. <laughs> so I started watching the drummers on like MTV and stuff. I was like, well, okay. And then, you know, they do this, you know, the right hand crosses over. Okay, cool. I'm like, well, I can probably do that. Okay. So I did, you know, what we all do, the pots and pans really for me, it was couch cushions. I set them up, you know, tore the cushions off the couch, put them around. Um, but the weird thing was that I did it lefty because I oh, saw really? ours in the reverse. Oh yeah. Um, a mirror image. Exactly. Right. So I'm like, so my first band that I was ever into was Hugh. Kind of like Phil Mickelson did uh, with, with his, uh, I mean, I actually, he's, he's out of lefty. I guess he's a righty. Yeah. I'm, I'm naturally right-handed. Yeah. But I was like, well, you know, I watched the mirror image. I'm like, sure. Well, okay. They're, they're doing this. I'm <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> right. So I literally learned lefty and my first band I was ever into was Huey Lewis in the news. And, you know, talk about, basic rock pop heart drumming. There's not a better way to start. So I went to my first drum lesson when I was like, and I've been playing for like two or three years, like, you know, setting up the couch cushions the wrong way. And like I had dowel rods, I couldn't afford drumsticks. So I bought dowel rods and I cut them and I, I'm such a dork. It's crazy. Um, and I, and I filed them down to like make tips on them and stuff. Right. Oh my God. So but I knew every Huey Lewis song from sports, you know, picture this, uh, can't remember the one before. Um, so I knew all those songs that was my, and then when I was eh, 14, 15, my dad bought me a boom box for my, for, for Christmas one year with the cassette player. Exactly. <laughs> and I got sports and I got the soundtrack to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Okay. So John Williams. All right. So, right. Right. So I was, it was like pop and then semi like I'm a huge star Wars guy. So right, right. John Williams know all that. Um, so it, it was a hybrid of like, and then I knew every song on the radio from 1986, 87, 88, I would make mixtapes. And from there, I guess I probably, I found Pink Floyd. I found uh, Metallica. Love that. Built, but playing it all lefty, you know, going through it. And then I found Rush. Uh, and that changed my life. Yeah. And yeah, I, I became a huge Rush guy at that point. But, but now you don't play lefty. No. Well, yes and no. I, I don't play like the kit. So, all right. So the, the story about that. Um, so I went through music school that way. Um, cut to, uh, you know, high school. I played all lefty this way. Um, went to music school at, uh, music musicians Institute in LA. Okay. Did that. Um, and they had lefty and righty drum sets. So Joe Picaro, uh, Jeff Picaro's father right. was one of the, uh, main instructors out there. I came home and I tried to sit in with people and it was like, 
wait, which way to, which, how do I, how do I confusing, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm like, okay, I have to make a decision. Uh, if I'm going to sit in with people, I need to be able to do this. So I turned my whole kit around and I led lefty like this, you know, um, left-hand ride symbol, left-hand hi-hat, Carter Beaufort, Simon Phillips-ish and retrain my feet. So that made, yeah, because, know, because now your left, your left foot is, is high hit rather than exactly. So now I play a right-handed kit and I play a lot righty. I've switched my whole kit around to like normal, but I still play a lot this way, you know, um, with the left hand and the hi hat. Cause what that allows me to do, especially in this time is I can run all my electronics right-handed while I play drums, lefty, which oh, okay. for me, uh, doing the gigs I do is really important because a lot of what I do is running electronics, running Ableton, you know, things like that. So I can play and I can call up tunes. I can talk on a talk back. I can do whatever I need to do while I play drums. Well, so, so you, you could probably sit down on a left-handed kit and, and probably pick it up pretty, pretty quickly. It's so funny. So I God, going back like two or three years, I was going to buy a kit at the Chicago drum show but it was set up lefty and I missed out on it. I didn't buy it. I, I, I missed out. I'm like, I posted a picture of it. It was lefty set up and everybody was like, well, you can't play lefty. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I can. Well, maybe, uh, you know, so it's, it's been something I've been toying with. I did a, um, yeah, you talk about the number of gigs. It's like, and just different gigs. I did a goth metal tour back okay. in, Oh, what am I? I'm 47 now. Uh, I was 40. So do the math. Um, I played with a band called Fashion Bomb. Uh, Tom Murray, he, he's the drummer in uh, Lateralis, the Tool cover band. Okay. And then Aziola Cry and another band, uh, uh, Siberium, the original thing. Um, he was scheduled to do the tour and he couldn't do it. So they called me. It's another one of these things where, like, last second, they like, can you learn these songs? Can you? Yeah. Yeah. So I showed up at Reggie's. We were playing with three bands. The headliner played a left was lefty and played a lefty drum set. So that first gig at Reggie's, we switched the drum set around and it was a train wreck. It was just so much work. It was just so bad. And Beth, my wife that, you know, um, she's like, why don't you just play lefty? Oh, I haven't done that in like, <laughs> and I'm playing like really fast blast beat, crazy kind of click track in the ears kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I did it that way. So, but so Rich was t teasing me the other day. You can't do it lefty. I'm like, uh, well, I can go in the studio. I should probably, probably refresh those chops. Yeah. Let's put it that way. You give me a day or two and I could probably do it. Right. <laughs> oh, I had, I had like four hours oh, well, yeah. when I was on tour. Right. The ambidexterity thing has been very useful in my playing. So, you know, I did it with spaz, you know, I did it, uh, you know, I always run my computer stuff on my right hand side. A lot of guys run it on their left hand side because right. they can play and still make things happen. Right. I, I'm more comfortable personally having it open grip and then running everything off my right hand side. Right. But your listeners aren't getting video, so. <laughs> right, right. Well, well yeah. But, but the, this is the, a theater of the mind. That's right. Theater exactly. Of the mind. Expand, if you will. <laughs> now, going back to uh, going back to your to your youth and, and to your high school days, tell us a little bit about your first band that you were in. Or oh my goodness, um, uh, my first band was a Van Halen cover band with no singer. <laughs> Everybody it just guitar, please. No, it was guitar, bass, keyboards, no singer. It's the uh, OU812 era, uh, if one will. Oh, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. There's pictures. Uh, it, uh, there, thank God there's no audio. Holy crap. Um, but shortly thereafter, uh, I moved forward. I met a guy named Chris Siebold. Who is a, uh, a good friend of mine, amazing guitar player. Good Lord. Um, and he changed my life. He introduced me to Alan Holdsworth and Frank Zappa. And those two guitar players. Yeah. 
it was like mind blown. Um, and I spent the la- the next uh, till now uh, going through their catalog and trying to assimilate the genius that is that. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I met Chris and I met Chris and my wife Beth at the same time, November nineteen ninety. And uh, at the variety show, uh, and I didn't know Beth would go on to be my wife, but <laughs> yeah. here we are all these years later. Uh, but playing wise, yeah, uh, that made a huge difference for me. Um, just being exposed to, you know, Chick Corea, Alan Holdsworth, Frank Zappa, you know, all the fusion stuff. I really got deep into that. And just after that, I went to California and I signed up at Music- Musicians Institute and um, did that for a year. Right, well, well, you mentioned that you went to went there to California. And, and what, what year was that? That was 93. Okay, and, you, and you, you only went for one year? Yeah, it's a one-year program. It, at least it was at that point. Oh, okay. I did that. I came home. I didn't really know that there were multiple ways to make a living as a musician. Um, I didn't know that you could, like, job. Or that you could play, uh, for those who don't know, jobbing is like playing weddings, playing corporate events, right. things like that. Uh, or like playing at the Blue Chip Casino. <laughs> right. That kind of thing. It's the same kind of thing. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. So I worked at an auto parts store. I worked at Track Auto. So I did that for a while. And then um, I actually ended up moving back to L.A. in 1996 to quote unquote, make my living as a musician, which means quote unquote, go in debt $35,000 to your parents. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that was that. And when I came home, uh, so how'd, it go in, how'd it go in LA? Uh, the second time rough, really yeah. hard. Um, how long were you there? I just, uh, I did a year, the first time a year, the second time. Okay. Uh, and when I came home, but the first time, the first time you're going to school, right? Right, right. So it wasn't like trying so to. The second time you were trying to find gigs, right? Yeah, and I and I played <laughs> some gigs and I did some things, and but I came home really with my tail between my legs. I really did, and I quite honestly, I went, well, guess music isn't going to work. What am I going to do? Like, I got to figure something. So my dad was good at computers. I'm like, eh, you know, um, the Harper, the local community. Ca- community college down here. Like, um, I'll, I'll go there. I'll just take computers. My dad's going to computers. I'll do computers. Same time. Um, a guy named Jim strike called me from the drum pad where I chopped three years before. He's like, uh, he's like, uh, you know, we have an opening. Would you be interested? I'm like, yeah, totally. Like I need part-time income. I was living with my folks. Uh, so I went there and that was a salesman or is a teacher? Uh, originally as a salesman, like me and Victor Salazar, whose birthday was yesterday. Happy, happy birthday, Victor. Happy everybody, birthday, Victor. everybody knows Victor. <laughs> um, so, uh, I did it as a salesman at first. And then after that, like he said, Hey, there's a teaching position available. Would you like to do that? I'm like, yes, I have the MI thing. Um, so I did that for the next 10 years. So, so you, you, uh, not to interrupt you, but no, but you never, you never were taught. You, you learned drums uh, by hitting your couch cushions. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and by, and, but then you went to, went to school. For I, I didn't have any formal lessons. I mean, I had a little bit here and there. I had but the school, teacher. the schooling in, in, in LA you did, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a thing. Um, it, it's interesting, man. Like education. And that kind of stuff. Like I've been a part of it for so long. I'm 47 now. You know, I had very little of it when I started. Wish I had more. It's, you know, that early part of my life, I, I had a drum teacher at a store in Buffalo Grove, Illinois, and I had no drums. I I was so into it. I had the couch cushion. I'm like, I I was so passionate. I want to play drums. This is what I want to do. My mom took me to the store. She didn't know better. This guy there. He had to be, I don't know, I can't even guess at this point, like 20s, mid-20s, frustrated classical guy. He's like, and you took lessons on a practice pad, kid. 
I don't know if your listeners know what practice pads are, sure. but they're, yeah, they're like, you know, that's what you do when you don't want to make a lot of noise. Right. So, and it's like, this isn't drums. This isn't Huey Lewis. This isn't Metallica. <laughs> like, and they're backwards. Duh. Yeah. Um, and he was the gateway to getting me a drum set. He was like, Hey, I'm like, mom, I want to drum so bad. Oh my God, mom, I want to drum so bad. And if your drum teacher says it's okay, we'll do that. Cool. He asked the drum teacher. He's like, He's like, I think with three or four more, three or four more years of lessons, he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. it crushed me. It crushed me. I was like, I'm done. I'm just no, no, no more lessons. I'm going to yeah. listen to Neil Peart. I'm going to listen to Lars Ulrich. I'm going to listen to every song on the radio. I'm going to play every every Def Leppard tune, every Poison tune, every it like. And every Celine Dion song and everything that was on the radio in like 1987, 88, 89. You know, it, it's a complicated thing. I wish I had more formal education at an earlier age, but I'm kind of glad that I did the work I did and, <laughs> and got into music and bands, you know, instead of just drums. But here I am. So there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's the difference between a guitar player and, and, and a and a drummer. A drummer can beat on the couch cushions or on pots and pans, and yeah. which, which we've talked to a lot of drummers who started out that way. Uh, oh yeah. Um. Um. But but uh, who who was it who told us? Um, Mike Mike Arturi from uh, from the Love and Spoonful said he he, hmm. he still has the pots and pans that his grandmother gave him that he used to beat on. You know. <laughs> and and. So um, cool. But, but, the, but the guitar, but a guitar player, I guess you had to have a guitar in order to, in order to play. Yeah, it's a different thing. It really is a different aesthetic. Or a keyboard player or whatever. Right. It's, you know, or a horn player. You know, you have armature and like all that, like drums are the least, have the least entrance. You know, you go boom, you go bam, you make a sound. That's cool. <laughs> and, but, you know, it is as you get better at it and you learn the subtleties of it. Um, but it, but it is, it is a true thing. Like, you know, to be a guitar player, to be a bass player, to be a keyboard player, to be a horn player, it's, it's a lot higher curve to enter into music, but not to downplay it. Um, it, it is as easy as the on-ramp is keeping it there and like learning the subtleties of it. It's a okay. lifetime. It's a lifetime of work. Right. Well, well, that, that's what I, I, I was kidding my drummer. I says, you hit it, hit the snare on the two and the four and you're good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I hear it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just go boom and bam. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's, but it's funny. Like, it's funny, like post pandemic, um, going back to work, uh, not to fast forward, you know, whatever, 35 right. years. I did a lot of work during the pandemic. I practiced really hard. I knew I was going to have, it looked like I was going to have a lot of time on my hands. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to use this productively. Um, so I really, I really practiced hard and I got into a lot of things. Um, and now we're back, you know, uh, it, I've done eight, 10 gigs, you know, since, uh, end of April, all that practicing is totally paid off. Oh yeah. I feel like, like, I feel like I'm composing more when I play and I'm playing it like what I'm doing right now is the same thing I was doing in Spaz or Afros. I was doing, I'm doing Jesse's girl. I'm doing summer 69. I'm doing don't stop believing. I'm, but I'm, I'm doing, you know, jobbing. I'm playing with, I play in a Maggie speaks band called shout out. Uh, right. Fantastic. Great players. Um, but I feel like it's stepped my game up to another level, getting to the education thing like that you put in the time, it really makes a difference. So, so now can you, can you read music or, or do you, Oh read yeah. Drum chart? Yeah. I, I read music. I, uh, I learned somewhat in school, but really much more through, like you mentioned, all the bands, all the subbing things that makes, um, and it's not always like, you know, quarter notes, eighth notes, 16th notes, though that's important. Um, but it's really, um, form, you know, form charts, like, how many bars of the verse, how many bars of the chorus, you know, things right. like that. It's, it, it's funny that I feel like that whole thing came to a culmination last year, right before shutdown. So, uh, you know, Chris Hagen from 16 candles. Yeah. So literally Chris was at my house today. 
Um, he was uh, he runs a uh, a uh, duck cleaning service. Oh, okay. And you know, du- ducks like quack quack or. I had some, so he got them out. And that was really awesome. Of him. Okay, I mean, you know, that's what I thought I heard. When you know a guy, you get a guy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Chris is, you know, in one of the top cover bands, in Chicago, Sixteen Candles. Sure. Um, they're just, you know, and every time I see him, I get to hang out and sit in with them and stuff. They're awesome. Put in a good word for us, will you? I absolutely will. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I saw him today. He was in this room, like heard everything scraping down there. Um. But uh, in February, February 15th, last year, something like that, I was laying in bed. Uh, it's at 1130 in the morning. And I got a text message from him going, hey, man, 911, what are you doing? I was like, wow. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm playing with 16 candles tonight. Uh, how am I going to work this out? Oh, <laughs> Lord. Like, how much? So he hits me up. He's like, hey, man, uh, the band Steelheart. You remember them? Yeah, it's a name sounds familiar. 80s hair metal, like uh they had a they had a couple big hits. Okay. Um like they're playing at the arcada tonight. Their drummer is sick and can't get out of bed. Their sub is in Florida and can't catch a flight. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh wow. It's like it's 11:30. I had a gig the night before. I'm, I'm literally in my bathrobe and I'm like, Oh shit, dude. I'm like, yeah. Uh, he's like, how, how many songs can you learn? How fast can you learn them? Yeah. Wow. I, I, and I'm like, I'm like, it's the one song with the guy that sings real high. Right. Like (laughs) angel eyes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, how many songs do I have to learn? I don't know. I'm like, dude, have management call me. Let's figure this out. So management calls me and they're like, can you learn like six tunes, like six, seven tunes? I'm like, probably by when it's 1145. I'm standing yeah. right there in the doorway with my robot. So sound checks at four. <laughs> wow. Okay. In, in um, this, in downtown Chicago. Uh, no, uh, St. Charles. Oh, in St. Charles. Okay. The, the so it's an hour. Oh, the Arcata, right. Oh, right. Right. Exactly. So I'm like, send me whatever you can send me. They're like, they're like, you're so helping us out. Whatever you can do, great. And then the guitar player calls me. He's like, hey, man, you cool? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm cool. Got it. Like, here's all the stuff. Stuff starts coming in via Dropbox. And I just have to go to work. And I go to Beth. I'm like, this is happening. She's like, holy shit, this is happening. Wow. And I just, I literally sat here with music paper and not a punnet chart because I'm doing biology, like just charting the stuff out. And I would literally chart a a song out, go to the drum set and play it. And that's all the time I had. Once here, once there, come back, learn the next song. Come back, learn the next song. Um, So I did that. Beth, meanwhile, God bless her, goes online, finds her last five set lists, gets my clothes ready, gets everything done, you know, makes me a sandwich so I can maybe have carbohydrates and eat. Beth's a good girl, isn't she? (laughs) She's She's sweet. I am... I am humbled to be a part of any of this yeah. for God's sakes. So, uh, yeah. So like two thirty, like we gotta go, like we gotta go. I'm like, shit, I'm not done. Wait, hold on. I gotta like, I'm like literally writing it out as yeah. we, we get in the car. I get a text message from the guitar player. Hey, that version we sent you, that's the studio. Here's the live version. <laughs> oh man. So literally we're driving down the road car bumping. I have a chart in my hand the radio on trying to transcribe this live version. So I get there. I mean, this is taking more time, but so I I get, I get to Arcata. They've got backline. We're opening for firehouse. Okay. Super nice guys. Super cool. Um, they got a drum set for me. They got symbols, the text there. I'm like, he's like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know what he got. He's got, I got three up, two down, you know, whatever. Like, I'm like, give me one up, two down, all the symbols. Cool. Great. And I help him set it up. And the guitar, uh, the guitar player walks in. He's like, Hey man, you cool. I'm like, I think so. <laughs> yeah, cool. Bass player walks in. So the bass player was a sub two. Kevin Chown. Oh. Kevin plays with Sebastian Bach normal. Uh, Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Good. He played with Chad Wackerman, who's played with Oh shit, Frank Zappa, Ellen Holdsworth, Barbara Streisand. 
Yeah. And this is the guy who's on like the hair metal gig with me. That's <laughs> hilarious. So it's one of those things where you, you just get thrown in it. So, and they're like, Hey man, it's cool. We'll run all the tunes at soundcheck. Soundcheck is a disaster. Like it just you can't get it dialed in. Everything's not working. So I had the chance to play eight bars of one song with them before we had to cut. And we're like, no, you gotta go downstairs. Okay. So I went downstairs and I went with Kevin and Joe, the guitar player and bass player. And I went through the live versions of the tunes with my charts, you know, handwritten. And they're like, Oh no, we don't do that there. We do this here. We do this. That, that, we do that three times, not four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Well, okay. And I'm writing it down. Meanwhile, they cut the opener. So we're going on sooner. And I literally had eight minutes before I went on stage. Once I finished charting everything out to go on and play in front of a thousand people. Wow. And you know what? I'm sure you knocked it out of the park, right? It went great. That's it, cool. it did. It, it's, it is the culmination of everything I've learned through all these geeks, through the spaz stuff and the Afro stuff. You know, if I would not, if I wouldn't have done that, I don't think I could have done that. All the charting, all the reading. Like when I was doing those spaz and Afro gigs with you, right. I have little cue cards over here. Like for all the arrangements, those are, that's hard, man. Like Ray Luzier from Corn does those gigs. It's, you know, he's a part of PWE. Like, that's not like everybody kind of downplays the cover band thing to some degree. It's, you know, oh, it's not as easy as, yeah, it's not, it's not you as separate easy. the wheat from the chaff. Right. That's so, so yeah, the steel heart thing was an absolute blast. And I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier, like playing, playing, playing Jesse's girl or summer 69, right. but, but, but each band may play it just a little bit different. You know I mean? They may play that, do this part before they do that part or something. This is like the ultimate of that, that kind of thing. So we're back post pandemic and I've played that song. Oh shit. I don't know. Seven, eight times in the last two weeks, something like that. And the guitar players. So that guitar solo from Jesse's girl, it's a thing that has to be played. Like it is a, it is a composition. It is a through written part. Right. So all the guitar players I've done it with, they told me like before, like, oh, I don't know if I shedded that enough. And they, and I'm not joking. 58.2% of the time they tank it <laughs> halfway through about bar four. I think it's an eight bar solo bar four. Everything just goes to hell in a handbasket. And I laugh and I go to the talk back and I give them shit. And, but it's, it's a thing, man. Like the cover man thing is, you know, the original thing is, and I'm not as well versed. I play an original band. I play Nomadic Horizon, um, but the cover band thing is where I've really, you know, spent a lot of my time. Um, and there's an aesthetic there and an appreciation of the gig and and just getting the job done in business yeah. and like you know showing up doing a good job. That's you know you've seen it all the time there at Blue Chip. You know, sure. and you see the bands that get that gig and the bands that don't right what, what's your experience with that like i'd like as a sound guy well well i it's, it's, i mean it's, to be quite honest with you a drummer to me is a drummer is the guy who drives the bus and when and the, when the drummer's on and he's he he's driving he's driving the whole rig and he's 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 pushing the band that's what i appreciate about you is that you you always seem to like you came in with confidence you come in with confidence and you do, and you do your job. It's a big thing. It really is. It's, it's a, you know, I, I, I'm taking lessons to this day. I have a drum lesson tomorrow with yeah. my, one of my, my good friends, Tom Hipskin. And we talk about that, you know, it, it you know, at this point in my career, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like it's not about playing a faster period. It's about the mental game of playing. It's about, where do you place your backbeat? Uh, it's funny. We like me and Tom have been working on Sealy Dan tunes. Okay. So I played uh black cow, you know, you know, pocket all day long. I recorded myself playing it. You know, I have my studio over here and I recorded myself playing it with it. And I noticed, you know, I've been playing drums how many years, whatever. And, you know, I do what I do, but I noticed, when 
I put it, I recorded it. I look back at, and when you're recording, you can look at a grid and you can see where you line up with whatever that my fills rush just a little bit. And a big thing that I noticed was that my backbeat on beat two, after I played a fill back, boom, back, doom, boom, bat, that second back, that first backbeat on beat two, just a little bit late, just a little bit, almost consistently late. You know, it's that little kind of thing that, that the good from great. It's, it's, it's paying attention to the details, right? Exactly. Exactly. And especially like doing studio work, like during the pandemic, that's been a huge thing. Like March, April last year, everything got shut down. So it was like, well, you know, what do we do? I got all this time on my hands. Well, I went back to school. I practiced a whole lot. Um, you know, I worked out a whole lot. That's that. That's one thing that I really appreciate was like a, uh, the details of my craft. Right. And, and hooking up with somebody like Tom, who was the drummer on Hamilton in Chicago, who's oh. been one of my my one of my best friends for 25, 30 years now. I mean, he's played with Patricia Barber. He's played he's on Hamilton. He's he's he can play anything. He's just ridiculous. When I get together with lessons with him, it's not, you know, you know, like I said, playing fast repair. It's not like just, you know, mechanics. It's the inner game of music. Right. And that's what really makes the difference. For me. Let's take a time out here for a second. This is Paul Martin and Ray the Roadie, and we're here to talk to you about GHS strings. That's right, Ray. Whether you play electric guitar, acoustic, or bass, or even banjo, mandolin, or ukulele, then GHS has the strings for you. GHS strings are easy to play with a rich, full balance tone available in many different gauges. Great for all musical styles, so if you play, Play with the best. Play GHS strings. So, so, um, uh, so, so, who are you playing with now? Who uh, are you still playing with? Shout out. I am. So, yeah, that uh, I am playing with. Shout out. Uh, we just did a whole stint of gigs at Great Flags. Um, or I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Good Lord. Great America. Sorry. Great America. Um, great America. So much fun. So cool. We met a bunch of great people up there. So that went really well. Um, and we have. I have a wedding this Saturday at Little Goat, um, and a whole bunch of, you know, uh, there's a bunch of weddings, a bunch of park district things. I'm doing that. Um, Sucker Punch is still going strong. Now, Sucker uh, Punch is a, is a cover band? Yeah. So it's me, uh, Chris Ricardo, uh, Mark Conson, and Jen Cundiff. And that was kind of an out-of-nowhere thing that that came together. It's been two years now we've been together. I went to see Jen and Mark had an acoustic thing. And they were playing at a uh, Potato Creek Johnny's little bar down the street from us. And I came out and after the gig, I'm like, hey, if you ever knew, want a drummer, you know, I kind of go. And they're like, like, I don't have enough work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, like they seem fun and they seem like a hang. Right. And that, that's so important. So they had a gig and we made a band out of it. And it's a lot of fun. It's all the cover stuff. Jen Cundiff is just a force in nature. Our lead singer. Why do I know that name? So she was in, oh boy, you know, break my mind here. Um, oh God, she's been, she, she's been in a couple different cover bands. Can't remember off the top of my head. Like the first gig we ever did, she like wireless mic up on the bar, around the bar, Backwards, forward, sideways. She's yeah. the ultimate front person. Yeah. So talented. And it's just a fun band. You know, it's it's something different from the either Nomadic Horizon, which I do, which is amazing. Me and Tom Heslin and Chuck Bontrager.
which is more fusiony and more a lot more you know that's all original stuff right yeah it's all original it's a, it's a lot headier um and then there's a shout out thing which is great but it's a lot more me running computers and running ableton and doing that kind of stuff right. um sucker punch is just fun right. it's 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 just a break from all that so yeah, that's that's cool so, so you're you're not doing anything with the afros or spaz anymore, right? Um, no, I haven't. Uh, I have. I mean, have, have you talked to Andrew or any of those guys? I have talked to Andrew a bunch. Yeah, I love that guy. Okay. I mean, do you know my history with Andrew? No. All right, buckle in, big guy. Here we go. All right. So <laughs> I, I you are a history buff, aren't you? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to World War One. We're not going to a Syria <laughs> like you know, you know, twelve forty three BC. Um, but so I met Andrew in nineteen ninety eight. I was referred by Chris Myers, who's the drummer in Umphreys McGee, and Kick the Cat now. And I started playing in a cover band called Decades, and it was me, Andrew, and Tyler Holcomb who I think is still in high infidelity. I'm doing my math right. Um, And we were a trio. Like I showed up that they like the first cover band I ever really played in. They sent me a set list. I showed up in Tyler's basement. They had spent $30,000 on production. Wow. In 1998. (laughs) So we were, we were running ADATs for tracks. Right you know, VHS tapes programmed with all that stuff. Yeah. So I, I showed up in Tyler's base, basement in Palatine and it was like, here's a set list, smoke, mirrors, like fog. It was, it was like, it was crazy. It was like doing a gig. And we went through all the songs and me and Andrew and Tyler did decades for two or three years. And Andrew like played guitar? Andrew played guitar, guy yeah. played bass, um, and a lot of tracks. So after that, um, we got Guy Dominic involved. Guy was in, I think. I, <laughs> guy Dominic. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I know a guy. Yeah. You, yeah. So yeah. I know Guy too. And and he's a super talented guy. Me, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like Guy, me and Guy have a huge fusion hang. Like anytime we talk about Toto or like Los Lobotomies, like really far out dorky fusion stuff like that. Yeah. Guys, the guy to hang with. Um, so he had to, he had to crash. He had to crash at my cabin that I had out there in uh, up on the lakefront in with Michigan. Jim. Well, yeah, with with Jim. Yes. Right. Right. Yes, and uh, uh, he had to crash it because he got too liquored up one night. <laughs> I said, "Dude, you are not driving back Chicago." Oh my god, was this in the chip? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it's so fun. I mean. There, but for the grace of God, and tonight go I. So I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not judging in the least. Guy is super talented. I mean, oh yeah, very good. Plays very guitar good. like a beast. Plays keyboards like a beast. So so decades happened, and then you know that kind of petered out, went its own way. I think Andrew went into Infinity. I think Guy, or I'm sorry, uh, Tyler went into Hairbangers at that point. Oh, okay. Um, and I kind of I started working with uh, Deja Vu, Chris DePinto's band. Oh yeah, okay. Doing uh playing playing percussion and like doing that kind of stuff. And then <laughs> this is another one of those gigs. That's how this thing always works. Um I get a phone call last minute. Andrew calls me out of nowhere. I haven't talked to the guy in like two or three years. He's like, Hey man, uh I have a gig in like, you know, God, in a cornfield somewhere like, you know, somewhere way <laughs> south of where I am. And then we're playing another gig somewhere else. Here's a set list. Can you do it? Yeah. And and I, that's the story of my life. So what I, I was going to say, so what we've learned today is that if you need a drummer last minute, you're the guy. You're I, the guy to go to. I, you're I the guess, go-to guy, right? I, I don't know, dude. Right, I'm, just right. like, I'm very, it, it's, I'm humbled to be that, to be that guy. And like, it's funny. I was talking to a friend today, like so much, I miss playing. I missed all that stuff during lockdown. I missed gigs. I missed, you know, we all did. did. Yeah. But you know what I missed? I missed hangs. I missed relationships, you know, and coming back. Well, that's all part of it. Right. But that's the biggest part for me. You know, it's, you know, I play with who I play with. I do what I do. and, And it's a thing and it is what it is. What I treasure more and more, especially as I get older, are the relationships. 
that I built. You know, the guys in Steelheart, I still have, I still text them every now and then. Yeah. You know, when Sebastian Bach comes to town, I'll go hang out with Kevin. And when uh, Joe comes to town with something like uh, all the cover band stuff, that's, I'm such a fan of that community and so lucky to be a part of it. I really am. I mean, it, it's so cool that I get the calls and like that I can do what I do and it's fine, whatever. But like all the people in that scene, you know, you know, Gerald Guzman, right? Gerald Guzman. So Gerald, uh, oh. Gerald, yeah. Played in Lava Rock and like all that stuff. Right. right. Did Hyperflow and all that. Him and Camille just got married out in Vegas, you know, okay. and, and his brother Gary works at Sonosphere. Um, so Beth and I had a night off last Friday. We went to Woodridge bar, something like that up in up North of us. And we saw Gerald and Camille and we got to hang out with them and Beth bought a wedding present for them. And they came and we hung and then Rob Benke showed up who was part of Lava Rock and is now doing Pandemonium and a whole bunch of other things. And it's the same thing as running into you. Yeah. At the thing, at the number 21 thing, like, that's what I dig. You know, we do what we do. I play what I play. And, you know, it's an aesthetic and it's, it's a way to approach work, but it's the relationships. To me, that's what it's all about. Right. Right. It absolutely is. It's, it's a fun thing. It's a fun thing to have those relationships. Dude, it, it's, it it's so, it, it's so fun to like walk into a bar and like, Hey, I know that guy. And I, I did a yeah. jobbing gig last Saturday. I, I did a wedding at ovation uh, downtown, which I'd never been to before. And I walked in and I saw a sign on the door that said style matters. I'm like, wait, I think I, I walk in. And it was this guy, Spencer styles who I did some drum and DJ gigs with. And he told me, you know, six years ago, something like that, he was building a venue. I was playing in his venue that night. He <laughs> was there and got to hook up with him and reconnect and see all the Maggie speaks people. And yeah, man, that's, you know, I, I, I love that. I get those calls that, that last minute thing I've got it with wedding band. I've done it with Mike and Joe. I've done it with like a bunch of the bands. Right. Well, I, I know I'm, I'm more of a South side guy, but now getting to know you and getting to know some of the other bands that, that I worked with, get the communication and the, just, just that camaraderie, you know, that, 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 that makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's that's what matters to me, especially as I get older. It's like, you know, we, we do what we do, but like having 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 the hang, having friends, the fact that Chris Hagen came over today and like did my ducks and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, Aaron Strike and like, uh, you know, Frankie Hartchut, who's doing the seventh heaven gig now. Frank Frankie's a great drummer, too. So Frankie is dating Selena, the singer in shout out. Oh, OK. And so we did a great America thing. He came out, we, me, him and Selena sat in the hot tub outside and back until three in the morning the other day. <laughs> he is so talented. He's great. He's great. Yeah. He's just a motherfucker. Yeah. Like he, like, dude, like Frankie showed up my gigs with a practice pad and sat in front of me for like six hours working on hand stuff <laughs> while I was doing my gig. And I'm like, dude, I, this yeah. guy, this guy. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's so good. And I'm so happy. He's got that gig. Um, yeah. Could not, could not pick a nicer soul in the world. So, so how do, uh, how do people find out where you're playing or what you're doing? Or, or do, do you have a, a, a website or um, Facebook for, best, su for sucker punch? Or, the best way or is probably through Facebook. Just find me on Facebook, um, yeah. Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Greg Rapp, R-A-P-P. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Find me there. And uh, I normally post my gigs a, a little bit in advance and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm part of uh, shout out, you know, so it's shoutoutband.com, uh, Nomadic Horizon. If you search that, um, I'm sure we have a website somewhere. Um, Sucker Punch, suckerpunchrocks.com, I believe okay. is our is our website. Okay. And then, yeah, really through Facebook or Instagram is where I normally spread whatever craziness I'm being a part of. <laughs> Well, it's been great talking with you, Greg, and 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 it's uh it's it's good to hook up again and see you again, and uh, and I can't wait till, till I get out and see you, and uh, maybe we can have a beer together. Well, you know what? I'm gonna come to Indiana, and I will find you, 
and we will hook up and we will have beers and we will have hangs. So we have way too much history together. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well uh, you, you, you never know when all of a sudden I'm going to show up somewhere like I did. Dude, that happens all the time. Like <laughs> talk about the, the serendipity of these gigs. Like I'm going to be on a gig and I'm going to look over to my left and go, who's the sound guy today? <laughs> well, it's been great talking with you and I appreciate yeah, thanks your, a lot, Greg. Him, your, your Thank time. you for having me. This has been an absolute blast. Hope to do it again. No problem. Thank you. Thanks. So that was Greg Rapp, my good buddy, Greg Rapp and, uh, and good friend. And uh, he had uh, some interesting stuff there. I mean, he is the go-to guy. He is man. You know, and he's talking about, uh, you know, he's, he sits down, he starts uh, writing charts for all this stuff, trying to get, you know, these, these songs down and, and he's kind of a perfectionist. It sounds like he really wants it to be right. And he's got, I, I thought of something that, he should come up with you know how the quarterbacks got that thing on their wrist with all the plays there you go he could have one of those for all his charts he could put all the stuff in there for the for the different songs that he's unfamiliar with that's a great idea or i can come up with it and you should market it i could market it you could market it we could all market it we could be millionaires (laughs) we could be the next jeff bezos or uh, who's the tesla guy Oh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, right. But uh, yeah, Greg, uh, Greg's got some great stories. Uh, he's played with a ton of people. He knows a ton of people. Yeah, yes, he does. And, and the list is pretty much endless. Um, but uh, but it was fun talking with Greg and uh, and and go go check it check out his Facebook page, please, and uh, and find out um, where he'll be playing. He's a good guy. Tell him that you heard. Uh, when you go see him, tell him that you heard all about him on the, on the Rock and Roll Chicago podcast. That's right. Episode 89. Okay. All right. Well, thanks to um, GHS and thanks to the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum on Route 66 in Joliet. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening today. And uh, be sure and uh, subscribe. And, uh, and don't, miss, don't miss a single podcast. And thank you, Paul. Thank you for being here today. Well, thanks. Thanks, Ray. No problem. Thank you for being here. Oh, no problem. <laughs> I was in the neighborhood. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. See you next week. Bye. Rock and Roll Chicago podcast does not own the rights to any of the music that's played on this podcast. The music is used to promote the band or musicians that are interviewed. Rock and Roll Chicago.